Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And as we begin this particular episode, I'd like to start at Luke chapter 16, where we will be reading a very familiar passage. Luke chapter 16, specifically verses 19 through 31. Here's what we find. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purples and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receives thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou sendest him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This is a passage that is quite often read. Over the years I have engaged in what have been interesting, but ultimately non-important discussions about whether or not this is an actual event of history that Jesus was describing, or was it a parable? So deeply have some scholars delved into the study of this passage that just as the wise men have been given names by man, so has this rich man. He has in some circles been referred to as dives, which is a name that means rich man. Isn't that something how far people will go sometimes? But nonetheless, whether or not this was a parable isn't going to affect our examination of a few things that we can learn from these two men. Consider the position of the rich man. It is apparent that he was a man who, from the perspective of the world, would have been most successful. Lazarus was not. The rich man was blessed with a great deal of this world's goods, but Lazarus existed in extreme poverty. 
The rich man fared sumptuously every day. On the other hand, Lazarus begged for crumbs and was seemingly attended to by none but the dogs who licked his sores. The rich man died and was buried. I will speculate a little bit here, but I would imagine that his burial was in the custom of the rich. Lazarus also died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, a portion of Hades, the abode of the dead. The rich man ended up in torments, the other portion of Hades, separated from Abraham's bosom. He saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. It is interesting to see how the conditions are now reversed. Lazarus is comforted and at peace. The rich man is in anguish and torment. I want to briefly look at some principles that we can see in the account, principles that appear in other passages found in God's Word. At the same time, this passage also serves to expose just how false some of the practices and teachings of certain groups and individuals in this world truly are when compared with the words of Jesus. First, and we all know this, death awaits us all. Unless the Lord comes beforehand, it is impossible for us to escape that which is common to us all, death. It comes for the poor, it comes for the rich, and it comes for everybody in between. There is no favoritism. Death is no respecter of persons. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. How many times have we talked about the uncertainty and brevity of life? Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel was preached unto you. I kind of doubt that the rich man gave a great deal of thought to what might lie beyond the grave. But my friends, the thought of life is just too fragile to trust. The time to prepare for death is now, because it is on its way even as we speak. Secondly, can't we see from this that trusting in the things of this world is truly foolish? Since we aren't going to be here forever, what point is there to making the accumulation of the goods the end-all and be-all of my existence? When death comes knocking at the door, all that we have or do not have isn't going to make one bit of difference. Remember what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7-9. through 9. He said, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. When you think about it, we leave this world with exactly the same amount in the bank as when we came in. When I think about folks saying, well, I want to leave my children a good inheritance, and they're talking about material things, it brings to mind what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 19. He said, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he will be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. All this being true, and it is, 
While there is certainly nothing wrong with working hard and being financially successful, it is not the most important thing and it is foolish to make it our primary goal. Third, doesn't the account of the rich man and Lazarus show us the horrible consequences of being lost? And I am certainly sure that I'm not the final judge. We don't know all that God knew concerning this man or any other man. However, I can find no indication of any sin of his except that the neglect of God and his will. We know that he was a sinner, as we all are, but there is no mention of specific sins. We do know that such things as selfishness can cause a person to neglect God, and we do know that selfishness can lead a person to spurn someone in need. This is quite a lesson. It appears that the anguish of lost souls is intensified by the consciousness that is retained after death. At least it was so in the account. Notice what remained to torment the rich man. He could see, for he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. He had the power of recognition because he recognized both Lazarus and Abraham. He felt terrible, gnawing thirst, and even remembered the lost state of his brothers, indicating that he retained his memory. In fact, verse 26 of Luke 16 says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented? Just think about it. Whatever this rich man had in his life did not quench his thirst now. Oh, he had the desire, but no way to take care of it. He obviously wanted the kind of comfort Lazarus was experiencing, but it was too late. He wanted salvation for his brothers. He begged for mercy for himself. He had the power to speak, but his request was not granted. If this account does not show the need to be prepared at all times for death, then I don't know of a better way to do it. Before we close, I want to notice just a few of the false ideas prevalent in the world today that are destroyed by the account of the rich man and Lazarus. The theory of universalism, the idea that everyone is going to be saved, is pretty well blown up by this account. If there were no other passage of scripture that touched upon that subject, this one would be sufficient to disprove it. But it isn't the only one. And we could spend from now to midnight looking at and discussing all of the different ones. For example, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There is a theory sometimes referred to as materialism, that states that this life is all that there is, that there is no existence whatsoever after the physical body passes from this life. The Bible refers to such a theory with the idea of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. However, the account that we have been studying shows that this idea is just not true. I think of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Man is a great deal more than simply a physical being. Have you ever heard of spiritism, the world of seances and such? That whole body of belief and practice is destroyed by this account. The rich man wanted to get a message back to his brothers in the world, but he was not able to do so. No message could come from beyond the grave to alter the lives of those who were still living. This also shows how silly it is to look for miracles to prove that God exists today and his word is true. When the rich man wanted someone to go back and warn his brothers, Abraham told him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The truth is, and this is as clear as it can be from the gospel accounts, that when Jesus rose from the dead, many still refused to believe him and his teaching. A very interesting passage along this line is found in Acts 4, where the leaders of the Jews said in verse 16, what shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Even in the days when miracles were occurring, and all knew them to be true and genuine, there were so many who would not believe. The miracles of the New Testament still perform the same function today as they did in the first century. John wrote in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, And many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Finally, consider what the account of the rich man and Lazarus does to the theory of personal predestination. The rich man recognized that his brothers had a choice. That is why he wanted a personal message sent to them so that they might make the right choice to change their destinies. He knew that they would be saved or lost according to the decisions that they made. All of us have to make choices, and those choices have eternal consequences. But we get to make those choices. As we read in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. My friends, listen to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and believe that Jesus is the Christ. Allow that belief to move you to repentance. Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Be like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 and confess your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and then be buried in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. As Peter told the people gathered in the city of Jerusalem in response to the question, Men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts chapter 2, Peter in verse 38 said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Rise up from that watery grave of baptism, born again, a new, a new creature on the road that leads to heaven. Give these things serious consideration. Thanks for listening.